I'm Austin Lugo. I'm Andrew Harp. This is nothing to say. Let's talk about Once Upon a Time in America. Before we get started today, I just want to make a quick shout out to our friends at Watching Netflix Without You. It's basically a show kind of like ours, but specifically Netflix-based, and it watches Netflix TV shows, original series, movies, and just kind of goes through them and talks about how great and or uh, not great they are. Andrew, what's your uh, favorite Netflix series, original series? I can't even remember the last time I watched an original Netflix series. I think I remember watching Orange is the New Black, and I kind of like that show, but like I barely remember it. But... <laughs> just to, I'm just being honest. Like, I can't remember the last time I watched the Netflix original series. I guess like Stranger Things was a big one too, but I, I didn't even finish the first season. It's good. I mean, the first season's okay. Second season's not good. First season's pretty good though. All right, let's get into it, Andrew. Yeah, yes, sir. Once Upon a Time in America, 1984, directed by Sergio Leone. You know, you got the big star-studded cast coming right out the gate. It's really long. It's almost four hours long. <laughs> I guess, like you said, Austin, I, do you have an opening statement? I don't have an opening statement. I'd rather just kind of get into it because it's so long. But Yeah, I have, I have a couple things I want to say before we get started. So yeah, the original ahead. cut, of course, was actually six hours right. long. Sergio Leone wanted to release this two, three-hour movies. But the studio was like, no, we're not going to do that. So, of course, famously, they cut it down to a two-hour version which I haven't yeah. seen, but I've heard it's quite terrible. And honestly, I don't know how you would make a two-hour movie out of this. So I can only imagine like just the nonsense that was going on. I believe uh, Siskel and Ebert, I read on Wikipedia, they love this movie, specifically the one we watched, I think. And they said it was the best movie of 1984. And they said that the two-hour cut was the worst movie of 1984. <laughs> so yeah, I'm guessing that's yeah, not very good. Okay, but I'm gonna let the dogs in real quick. Yeah, you you do it, Austin. Could you just explain really quick what the movie you know is all about? You know, more or less. So, supposedly back in 1974, Sergio Leone was offered to do the original Godfather, and he turned it down because he didn't want to do an American gangster movie, and he always regretted it. So in 1984, he made his basically Godfather movie. It's a almost four-hour film about Noodles and his group of friends during the early 1900s from like 19, I don't know, 10-ish to... Yeah, I believe he gets out of prison like 1930. So it's told in this sort of non-linear fashion, kind of similar to Citizen Kane or Godfather Part Two, where it's not like linear. There's really two distinct movies. There's the movie of them as children, and then there's the movie of them as adults. And I guess there's, you could say there's a third film when they're like old, but that's kind of intermixed with say the one when they're, you know, kind of middle age. But the one when they're young is pretty much kind of its own thing. Yeah, you're pretty much right. It's his Godfather movie, it's his gangster movie. I guess we'll get into it. So the movie starts out with someone with a woman getting shot. She gets shot a lot. Two or three gangster looking guys, they go into who we know as Noodles, played by Robert De Niro. And a woman is there and she's like, you know, what the fuck are you doing? And they're like, okay, where is he? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. 
and they shoot and kill her. I will say like, these like first 20, 30 minutes of the movie, really, really good. Probably my favorite part of the movie are, is the first 20, 30 minutes of it. Very mm-hmm. good introduction. It's basically playing the end of the movie at the beginning. And I think it generally works. But yeah, these three guys are looking for noodles. They're looking for Robert De Niro. They beat the heck out of this character. We will know a little bit later, but I believe, you know, he's like the owner of like this bar and club that uh, they all hung out and worked in in their neighborhood. And they beat him up and he kind of is able to tell them that uh, where Robert De Niro is, he's at an opium den smoking opium. He loves that opium. The opium den is kind of cool. It looks neat. He like smokes opium and then he has like these series of like dreams, right? Mm-hmm. where like a phone rings right right right. i forgot about the phone ringing a phone is ringing at the opium den which i think is you know really good where it's like the, the phone is almost like crossing into the dreams kind of he's basically dreaming of his memories at the moment it's pretty confusing because there's no context to what these moments are but they're like different moments in the film and i love the kind of and he does it a couple of times when the phone rings they kind of have like this fake out you know someone will like answer a phone and you assume like oh that's the phone ringing but the phone will like continue to ring and it's just like this constant ring. And it, it goes on for like quite a while. I mean, it rings for like a couple of minutes. Like just yeah. rings and rings and rings. I mean, it's not like constant, but still, it's like it just goes again and again. And it's a pretty great way to kind of build tension. I mean, it's confusing. You don't really understand what's going on, like at all in the film. It's, it's not really trying to explain anything. It's just kind of things are happening. And then it cuts back to the opium scene and then he leaves. And, you know, basically the memories are that we're getting like these crazy scenes of like, you know, people dying and people getting sold out and all this stuff, but which we'll talk about probably a little bit more later. But yeah, you're getting like kind of like flashes of all these different like memories and stuff of uh, all this stuff going on. And yeah, they cut back to the opium den and they're like the gangsters, whoever they are, are trying to find noodles and uh, he's able to escape and he gets back to, I think his name is Joe, right? You know, he's totally beaten up. And he lets him know, like, yeah, like, I'm sorry, but, you know, your your girlfriend got killed and all this stuff. <laughs> He's like, okay. He's pretty upset about it. So he uh, goes to a locker. He opens it up, and there's, like, a bunch of newspapers in it with the expectation that there's probably going to be money in it, but there's just newspapers. <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> He's just like, he doesn't really get upset. He's just kind of like, whatever. And then he leaves. I like the part of that scene, too, where... He's looking at a wall, which I'm assuming is like a train station wherever he is. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at a wall. It looks like something else. And then it cuts to the 60s where he's returning. And he's like at the same location. And it's like different looking. That's one of my favorite cuts because he's like he's like walking towards this like cool mural. And of course, the whole time the song Yesterday is playing like a piano version or something like it. Like a piano <laughs> of that song specifically. I love the song. I mean, it's a classic song, but it's like, I don't know, like, it just feels kind of dramatic to kind of work it in like that. I don't know how I feel about that song necessarily in the movie, but yeah. otherwise, probably one of the greatest sports of all time. I mean, just fucking incredible. I thought it was overused. I thought it was too all over the place. I thought that, like, the scores on the movies are way more energetic and interesting. And I thought this one was very, like, it's beautiful, for sure. Like, it's very, very good. I mean, Mortal Kombat is amazing. Yeah. But, like, after a while, it's just background music. Like, it's not even, like, yeah. But, yeah. They cut back, and now this old man, which the makeup for, like, to make Robert De Niro look old, very good. Like, it just looks like how uh, Robert De Niro looked. Yeah, it's not bad. 
yeah, it's like the 60s and he's back in New York City, baby, the greatest city in the world. He gets a car, he drives around, he goes to a cemetery where like they're built, they're digging up graves, what we will eventually know as basically like the Jewish neighborhood that he lived in as a kid, which we will kind of see later. And they're digging up graves and stuff and he's like watching them and all that. I think after that he goes to meet Joe, right? Like he calls him. I don't know why he does that. Well, he just go in. Well, I think he's paranoid that he's gonna get killed because, like, okay. he, because he, because he's, it's very clear, like, in the next scene that the reason he's there is he was sent like this paper that, like, you know, someone's been moved or something. Yeah. And it's fishy because he got it like nine months after everyone else. So he thought thinks that he was brought back. Well, I guess, and he is brought back to the city for some sort of nefarious means. So he's very paranoid. So I think that's why he calls from the phone booth is like, he doesn't want anyone to be around. He doesn't want to be trapped. Yeah, I think he thinks that like, yeah, I think he's talking, he's talking to Joe and he's just like, yeah, I think like the letter is basically saying like, you know, uh, like, yeah, we know where you are. (laughs) So he's like, okay, well, I'll go to New York then. And, uh, He, uh, yeah, and he and Joe talk for a while and um, about kind of like um, Joe's sister Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just, you know, everything going on and uh, they're like, okay, let's go to bed or whatever. And, uh, and, uh, you know, a noodle is kind of like walking around, you know, the, 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 the restaurant, the bar or whatever. Um, Well, another one of my favorite parts of the movie is when um, he goes to like kind of like that back room. And he stands up like on a chair and of course you know he removes that brick and he's like looking into what is probably another room yeah and, like it cuts and you can just see his eyes and stuff like you know uh, looking and he's like crying or something like that and then it cuts again and it's uh, joe's sister and she's like uh, dancing uh, to music uh, a very beautiful sequence of like him like looking in and it's like kind of like as if like I guess like that kind of for me it kind of sets up how the rest of the movie is where I feel like the movie not the movie not the parts of the movie that take place in the 1960s but everything that happens before it feels like the memories of like a dying man with like regrets um and like uh like lost opportunities and stuff like that mm-hmm. I think that that tone at least is like done really well throughout the movie where you feel like you're watching, like I said, you're going into the brain of like a person like that and kind of like watching their memories and their dreams. Um, yeah, and that like sets it up really well into the transition into the kids part of the movie. And for me, the whole section, I guess, with the kids, I think that's my favorite part. It's just, it looks beautiful. Uh, sounds beautiful just these like giant landscapes I think Sergio Leone I think one of the things that perhaps holds this movie back and perhaps Sergio I'd argue Sergio Leone is he's really great with wide spaces I think that's why most of his films and he only did seven films most of his films are well actually I would say every film but this really was sort of a large epic right it's mostly I mean other than his first film was like a Roman something but even then, right, it's outside a lot of large landscapes. And this is the only film that he really does in a city. And you can see that kind of constraint, especially in like when they're older, but at least when they're here in the, you know, uh, early 1910s, 1920s, or whenever, whenever uh, bootlegging because of, you know, illegal alcohol sales, whatever, whenever that time was. 
like the best moments are when they're like out in crowds, right? And they're just these giant crowds of just people moving in all of these different directions and these beautiful crane movements. And he's great with large spaces, but it does feel at times, although of course, as we're, you know, you're talking about that scene uh, where young, well, old and then young uh, yeah. is watching uh, the ballerina is just a incredible sequence and an amazing cut to, you know, and it, it's, yeah. It's very reminiscent of the way how like memories sort of like come and go and just like it happens like that, right? It's not like it, it's not yeah. like dissolve or a fade. It's just like, like it hits you and that's kind of how it feels. And suddenly like you're back there and you're just like, you're in it and you get it too, right? You immediately know who Noodles is. Like it doesn't need like this long explanation. Yup, you got Noodles, he's a teenager. It's the past. And yeah, like it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. He's like in the restaurant, there's like tons of people everywhere eating and stuff like that, where like in the sixties, there was like barely anybody. So it's clearly, you know, a very popular joint where people are, you know, eating and hanging out. And, you know, you're introduced to his group of like friends, like his little gang of friends and they kind of like run around in their newsy caps and, um, uh, you know, and they're in the Jewish neighborhood and like you have all these like acidic people everywhere. I think that's what it is, acidic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, he uh, uh, he's hanging out, having fun, um, and it's clear also that, that like uh, you know noodles like um, Joe, uh, but she likes obviously you know he has a crush on her, he likes her. Um, I'm trying to get to like that first big moment, you know what I mean? Which is wait, well, I'm I'm just letting you know, like I'm just trying to move quickly. The first big moment, of course, is when um, they're gonna rob that drunk guy. Oh. Yeah. You yeah. Talk about that. Yes. So they're at the restaurant and it's clear that they have some sort of deal with, I don't know if he's like a waiter or someone who works at the bar and basically like he spots people and he's like, go rob them. Like they're, you know, they're this drunk, they're that drunk. And the scam is basically that you help them home. And then of course, while you're helping home, you pickpocket, take their money and that sort of thing. And so they, they find their target, which is just like this extremely drunk guy. And yeah, he's and so like they all set up, they're on the street. The one guy's playing his little- Yeah, he plays, that character plays his little pan flute or something. Yeah, like a pan flute. He plays like the, the theme to the, the film. And they're about to rob this guy. And of course, across the street is a sleazy police officer. They're like, oh shit, we can't do it. But there's this wagon coming. And, and this is a great moment. And so this wagon comes. And so like they, they hide next to the wagon and they're about to rob this guy. But then this other kid, ends up like helping him onto the wagon and obviously and and we learn later ends up robbing him and so it's kind of this first it's the first moment where noodles and max meet and they're kind of it shows they're kind of head to head in the way they kind of work the system right they both kind of have their own way of doing it but it's their first meet and greet i guess and so you know he kind of follows the the wagon down a ways the guy's unpacking and they have a little scuffle because he's like hey yeah, you stole my watch. And they have this nice like little pickpocket thing, right? Where they pick each other's pocket and then the police officer comes and he takes the watch from both of them. Yeah, I, li I like the introduction to this. And it seems like this I also like because um, I don't know how like um, like the buildings next to the kids look like gigantic. And I also like the shots of like where like, I think Brooklyn Bridge, right? It's like yeah. them. Oh my God. Yeah, really good shots, really good stuff going on there with the, the you know, the large buildings and the Brooklyn Bridge and stuff like that. You know, really awesome. Um, yeah, like I said, everything just looks like really gargantuan. Um, 
I'm trying to think what the next big moment is. Like you said, like, you know, they met, meet up with Matt. He meets up with Max and Max is like, yeah, and in from the Bronx. <laughs> like you said, the cop robs them. Uh, uh, and then I think they uh, they get the cop, right? They, um, they do their first big thing where they um, blackmail the cop. Yes. Yeah. So basically a little bit earlier, we are introduced to Peggy, who's basically a child prostitute. I'm not really sure the best way to to put it. I, I don't know how old she is. She's a prostitute, basically. And all the kids, of course, want to have sex with her. And if they bring her like this little, I don't what is it? Like some sort of sweet cake it's thing? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there's this great, this great moment. Um, <coughs> what is it's It's not noodles, is it? That takes the cake to Peggy. It's like some, it's just another one of the kids. He, he takes the, the cake to Peggy and Peggy's getting ready. And the kid, right, just ends up eating the whole cake while waiting. Yeah. It's just a great little, it's, yeah, it, it's funny. And it's just like, it's just this little tiny moment that doesn't feel, like, I could understand why, like, if you were a producer and you saw this, you'd be like, why, why is this scene here? Like, it doesn't add anything. But I think there's something about the world building and character building of these kind of little moments. Because a lot of this film is just kind of little moments that aren't necessary to the plot in a certain sense. I just love that moment. I just love the moment of him, you know, wanting this one thing, but being so... It's right in front of him. Yeah, it's right in front of him, right? He's he's completely incapable of any sort of self-control. And it, it's in a way, it is the entire, right? It's the entire system of gangster, right? It's their lack of impulse control. It's their need to constantly be um, satisfied with everything. And so in this way, that's kind of representative of it. But after we meet Peggy kids run around, they're doing their thing. And they come across the police officer uh, having sex with Peggy, who is underage. So they take a like an old school like photograph, like a big like you know, giant camera. And they basically threaten him. They said, hey, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna basically work for us now. He's like, oh, I work for Bugsy? Is it Bugsy? I think that's his name, yeah. Yeah, very 1920s name. Good criminal guy, yeah. So he's like, well, what about, you know, Bugsy will basically, you know, he'll tear you up. And he's like, ah, don't worry about Bugsy. We're fine. Yeah, we're, we're, we're awesome. Okay. <laughs> and then, yeah, he, um, I think like they, uh, they are able to kind of like pitch. Um, I think that's a little bit later, right? They pitch an idea for like the salt, right? The, the. Yeah. Yeah. I think they get, they get beat up by Bugsy because Bugsy finds it. Beat up senseless. They get beaten. They get horribly beaten. It's awful. By, yeah. In New York City, baby. Bugsy's king, or whatever. Yeah, they beat the heck out of him. Um, beat up man. But then they're like, okay, we're just going to go ahead and do it. And they pitch an idea, you know, shit overboard. But what you can do is that you can, like, put, like, salt weigh it down up to this, the packages for you and, and give them back to you um, is basically the idea. Um, it's, the, it's, you know, it's their first big kind of like bootlegger, you know, uh, big, you know, enterprise that they got going on. Um, and I think that uh, they make a lot of money and put like in a suitcase and a lot of salt earlier. And I think they're basically just like, yeah, like this is basically just like our savings, like, you know, 50% of what we make in the group, the gang of kids will put in here. I think that's what they said. Mm -hmm. um, 
and yeah, they're like, you know, we'll just do that. So that kind of sets up the suitcase. It's supposed to be full of money when Robert De Niro goes and gets it. Um, and then there's the altercation. So the final altercation for Noodles before he goes to prison. Yeah. So basically Bugsy finds out what's going on. And of course, working behind Bugsy's back, he's not a fan of at all. So basically Bugsy with a gun uh, attempts to murder a bunch of children. And of course there's that beautiful shot that you see on the poster, which we talked about, you know, the, the two um, buildings and in between is the and everything, as you say, everything just looks like absolutely massive. And I kind of wish they would have held on to that theme throughout the film. It's, I mean, it's yeah. so, so beautiful. Like the children are just like tiny and these buildings are just ginormous. And they're walking around, they see Bugsy, Bugsy's got a gun. They start running different directions. And uh, one of the most famous moments is this, the one of the youngest kids, he's gotta be like, I don't know, like seven. Like the youngest, like the youngest kid in the group, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bugsy just yeah. 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 shoots him down. Blows, blows him away. He's like, I slipped. <laughs> yeah, he fucking he fucking dies and then noodles is angry yes knife stabs bugsy bugsy <laughs> I, don't know, I don't remember his name he stabs him and then the cops come and then he starts stabbing a cop not a great like, idea and at what like 14 however old he is 15 probably less than that he's uh he goes to prison it's prison this giant prison of course like I, like we said, giant buildings and giant walls with nothing on them. Uh, he, like, yeah, he he goes to prison and uh, and then years later he gets out and he gets to see Max again, who of course is played by James Woods. And then yeah, that sets out the rest of the movie. We're done with the kids part. <laughs> I don't like the kids part. I think it's my least favorite part of the movie. I think it sucks. Really? I yeah. I could not. I not like, Why? I, I do not. I think the acting between all the kids are really annoying. <clears throat> I think the acting with all the adults is way better and way more interesting. And I think that uh, the stuff that we said about how it looks, that's my one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's my least favorite section, but I love that part, how everything looks, how everything looks yeah. like and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, dude, like, just to, just to say up front, like, I hate the way that sex is treated in this movie. It's yeah. disgusting. Like, <laughs> hated it and look I, you know i love leone yes he's amazing Absolutely. and i love like his italian sleaziness mm -hmm. but i thought that that was very inappropriate in this movie i think he does it really really i think it's done really really in a very juvenile way and i guess yeah like it would be done in a juvenile way if you're talking about like kids and stuff but i thought all that shit was like really disgusting you know i was totally sick to my stomach to that shit dude um, and throughout the rest of the movie, too, as we'll talk about, like, I don't know, I just thought sex was just done very, very poorly, and I, I was not at all interested in, in any of that stuff. Um, it's not even just like a moral thing. It's just kind of like, I just felt really wrong in the movie. It didn't feel like it, it was connecting for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I guess that's just how I feel overall about the kids section. I wasn't that enthralled by it, and I was waiting for it to be over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with the way sex is portrayed in this movie. I'm not a fan of it. I mean, I always, I think having sex in any movie is very complicated. I'm not saying it can't be done well. It has been done well, but it, it's just, it's a very complicated thing to do right. And although I love Sergio Leone, I think he's one of the greats. 
I think the sex scenes in this, especially, you know, when we talk about some of the more mm, less consenting sex scenes, they're very problematic. And yeah, even as a kid, they're still problematic. But I think like, I guess you could kind of shrug it off as kind of like, well, they're kind of like kids and that's just kind of how they see the world. Like they can't really, you know, grasp things. But I mean, really just as much talking about the female characters in this film, as much as we talk about sex, all of the female characters basically their yeah. own role right yeah they're basically just there as like yeah yeah they're basically you're basically has a lot of sex or you're a character that doesn't have a lot of sex if you're a woman in the movie <laughs> and if you don't have a lot of sex that means you're like the best character or like you like i don't know like uh, like a, like a like you're morally more morally uh uh better than the all the women who are willing to sex with everybody you know what i mean it's fucking it's disgusting like and look i'm not like a like a like i'm not one of those guys that like is like critiquing and looking at every movie like that you know what i mean because i think like i said i love italian sleaze i love sleazy movies i love disgusting movies um that you know use a lot of sex use a lot of violence you know you know i love movies like that i just don't think that like in the world of like these movies these gangster movies which we've there's so many different examples where you know sex and you know female characters are just done so much better than in this movie i just don't think nothing is expounded uh in those two subjects very well if at all <laughs> yeah yeah i agree in my opinion but yeah and i guess I mean, obviously it's Sergio Leone's fault to an extent, but also, I guess he didn't, he didn't write the screenplay, right? Someone else wrote, I mean, it's based off a book. I believe so. What's that? I believe it's based off a book, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's just, it's not great. And like, you know, if you're a director of the film, if you didn't write it, you should like, I don't know, there's like scenes, and we'll get into one of them later, where it's just like, why, like, I think the film can be three hours long. I think there's like enough good stuff to make it three hours long, but like, yeah, I don't know. Let's just move on. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm sure we'll get into more stuff soon. All these things. <clears throat> yeah, they're not kids anymore. They're adults. Um, and James Wood, you know, basically lets Robert De Niro know, you know, hey, you know, we got a business going, you and I. Well, actually, I think before that, right? Before that, he gets out of prison, you get a flashback into the future with Robert De Niro. He's visiting the cemetery of his three friends who died. That's great. And he goes there and he's like looking around and you know, like, uh, yeah, like, yep, this is where my friends are died. Um, and he, he goes there and there's a plaque for him. This is like in memory or like in more or like, you know, of our friend noodles. And he's like, oh, that's kind of weird. And there's a key on there. Takes the key, okay, goes locker from before, gets a suitcase, it's filled with money. I think on one of the, the, the you know, a stack, you know, labels, it says like, uh, you know, we have another job for you or something like that. It's like, whoa, okay, what's going on? Um, and then I think uh, more or less that goes into like the next flashback, right? Where once again, Robert De Niro Noodles is seeing Max again after prison. And even and even right away, even right away, like he's uh there, like noodles is having sex with some random woman, right? 
like he like he he's like I work in a funeral business and there's just naked woman in the coffin and then it's like she, yeah. Max is like oh, yeah, she's dead this is like and then she wakes up and it turns out oh he's just there to like have sex she's just there to have sex with noodles yeah you never see her again no also feels like he probably would have had sex with her even if she was dead I know he's <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right he's like man yeah oh that's a shame she died <laughs> oh you're, you're totally right man yeah uh, but like yeah i would say my favorite parts from here on out are the stuff that have to do with prohibition mm-hmm. so i think it's very interesting um i don't think i've seen very many movies about i think brian de palma has a movie called the untouchables which is about prohibition um but other than that i haven't seen too many movies about prohibition I don't, I don't even remember if Godfather Part 2, I don't even know if the flashback scenes touch on Prohibition. I think they're less about Prohibition. I don't think they do anything on Prohibition. Yeah. The only thing I can think of that has to do with Prohibition was the show Boardwalk Empire, which does a really good job of it. But I can't think of any movies that really... Other other movies that I haven't seen, you know, like crime movies or detective movies or something like that, but... Yeah, I think like the original Scarface has to do with Okay. Oh, the, yeah, the first square face. The yeah. very first one, yeah. Right. Which, you know, Brian De Palma also did the remake for that. But yeah, like, um, you know, he, you know, the next section, you know, they go into, uh, back to Joe's, not Joe's, I think it's called. And it's a, what is it, a speakeasy? Yeah, it's a speakeasy. You can talk about that. Yeah, they're in a speakeasy. There's tons of people there. They're partying. Uh, Noodles is walking around. Everyone's like, oh, Noodles is here. You know, he's saying hi to all his old friends. It's, they're right, yeah. They're reintroducing all of the uh, characters from when they were kids, which of course, like all the characters had pretty distinct features. So like you can pretty quickly know like who's who, which is actually, it, it's kind of like a smart thing to do. Cause then it's not like a, oh, blah, blah, blah. Here's blah, 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 right? You just kind of know, right? Like there's the guy with the eye and of course, Fat Joe is, chubby I guess I can just use a little <laughs> um and then you introduce everyone and then of course we are reintroduced to Joe's sister and she's like oh I've been counting down the days since blah 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 and he's like oh bet you were to see you yeah you're awesome I think they, I think she's like a ballerina dance, you know, she's a ballet dancer, you know, she's a performer now and, you know, she's on the come up, she's on the come up everybody. Um, and then there's that like really confusing scene where they meet with Joe Pesci, which sucks. It's stupid that like Joe Pesci's in the movie and he's in there for like five seconds. He barely says any lines and he's like one of the great, obviously this is like pre like Goodfellas and like pre like Casino, of course. Yeah, but still, like considering how like amazing your Joe Pesci is, I wish he was in it way more. But that's okay. Well, they had like that weird confusion. Wait, what are you saying? Sorry. Um, I read that Joe Joe Pesci originally wanted the part that Robert De Niro got, but he didn't get that part. And so Sergio Leone's like, you can have any other part. And he specifically picked that part because I guess in the original script, which must have been just ginormous, like his part was much bigger. So I think that's why. And then it was just cut out of the film. So I think like he did like all this work and then it was just all cut out. Is this six hour cut, does it exist anywhere in the world? I don't think so. Like it doesn't exist at all. Like there's no like director's cut or, you know. I don't know. I mean, maybe, but. Get like fine like acetates or something like that and be able to 
Yeah, it probably like exists like on like the studio lot, right? Like if you went to the lot, like there's probably still the six hour cut, but it was never, it's never been released, but it, it might still exist, which I'd be interested to watch a six hour cut. Like, yeah, I would probably also be interested in watching that as well. Maybe, I don't, but I don't know. <laughs> but what they have like a scene where they meet him. What happens in that scene? I was watching it. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. Like, <laughs> well, what are they talking about? I think they're talking about business, right? I think they must be talking about like the diamond stuff, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Is that when they're at the, yeah, I think so. It doesn't matter. If you didn't even think what happened, it's an unimportant scene. Who cares? Anyway, in the next scene, they rob a bank. And when they rob the bank, because they're, they're getting the diamonds. Basically, they're, they're told this whole plan. And one of the things I don't understand about um, this movie, or I guess failed to, I, I don't know, is why noodles is like why everyone, not necessarily why everyone likes noodles, because he seems like a nice, well, at times he seems like, he seems like a nice guy to his friends who are male. But like, he's gone for like 20 years, they build up this entire business without him. And then they're just like, yeah, here's 50% of everything we do. And then they just listen to him, even though he never really has any good ideas or like does anything for the group, right? He's a wild, he's a wild, he's a wild card. He'll do anything, right? Yes. Like he'll go, he'll go. He kind of reminds me of like Joe Pesci and Casino, right? Like he's so Joe Pesci and Casino is really stupid, and he doesn't really like help the group at all. But he's a wild card, right? He's good to have on your side, I guess. Yeah, but then like whenever they do something wild, he's like supposed to be the reasonable one. Because like the very next scene, well, I mean, like, right, the scene at the bank, he, uh, yeah. instead of like doing anything, he just rapes a woman, which, okay. Um, it's crazy. I guess. But then the very next scene, they go to like meet to like deliver the diamonds and then they kill him and Robert De Niro doesn't even know about it. Yeah, they like go to deliver the diamonds and they're like, yeah, here are your diamonds. Actually, no. <laughs> and they shoot him, they kill them. And then, yeah, you're right. Like Robert De Niro, he's driving and he gets like upset. He's like, why do we do that? Da, 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 da. And he's like, well, it was fine. Like we, we did it, it's fine. And then he drives the car into a lake. I mean, that is pretty crazy. He That's drove true. into a lake, right? <laughs> like he, 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 that, that, I mean, he is insane. You know what I mean? Like I said, it's kind of like, it's good to have that guy on your side rather than not, even if he is crazy. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I like that scene though. He, they like shoot up the guys and then they drive the car into the, the water. But that's, I don't know why. I just think that's pretty funny. And then I think like you get like a flash forward again where Robert De Niro is at the restaurant and he's watching TV. Yeah, that's a really, that's another, there's whoever edited this film, just all of the yeah. respect because there's just a bunch of like transitions moments that are just absolutely amazing. And it, this edit from when they're in the car to the next cut is like a burned up car and they're like watching it. It's so cool. Like you don't even know that it's been like 50 years, but then like you pull back and they're watching the news and the car blew up because like someone was, they were trying to kill like a, were they trying to kill Senator Bailey or were they trying to kill someone else? I think they're trying to kill Bailey. Okay. So they're trying to kill Senator Bailey and Noodles and Joe are watching on TV, yeah, right? Yeah, watching on TV. And it's clear that Bailey is just kind of this uh, <clears throat> sleazy politician who, you know, has uh, has dealings in the underworld and has been indicted, right? He's been indicted by... Yeah, investigated, indicted, yep. <clears throat> and then you also see James O'Donnell 
on the screen who I think in the context of the 60s is like a politician or something like that. Uh, he's like talking about like labor and work and stuff like that. Um, and then it cuts and he's being doused in gasoline <laughs> like in the 1930s or whatever. And it turns out that, you know, he is or was a, you know, a, a labor leader, right? Uh, for whatever, I don't even know what the business is or what the work is, but he's a labor leader. Um, he's a union, you know, leader, uh, head of the union. Um, and he's being doused in gasoline and they're going to set him on fire. <laughs> and they, they cover him in so much gasoline. They cover him in two like layers of gasoline. And they're like, we're about ready to like light you on fire, man. Um, obviously, because you know they're, you know, you know, it's you know, he's the leader of the union, and they're anti-union. Obviously, people working for the boss. And uh, they're like, you got to sign this, and he's like, I'm not going to do it. And then, like right before they like, light him on fire, uh, you know, noodles and the whole gang arrives with the boss. Mm-hmm. And basically, they they make like a trade, like he, they. They turn on the boss and say, hey, we're going to kill him unless, you know, you give us Jim for some reason. I mean, I don't really understand yeah. that move either. Um, maybe I just don't understand, like, what... Like, I don't understand why they want him so much. Why they want who? Why, I don't understand why they want Jim so much. Jim O'Donnell? Yeah. I think they're being paid to protect him. They're like... By, like, the union? No, they're... The, so Jim O'Donnell, he's the head of the union, right? right. And the, the people want him dead. So I think he, the, the, the Robert De Niro and his gang are more or less being paid or protecting. I think they're being paid to protect um, him and the union and from, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. You know, it's kind of like, a, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that carries over to the uh, funny, uh, the, the police chief scene, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great scene. The police off, uh, chief is just so enthralled because he's had all all girls and now he's finally a good boy. And I, I love like the press as he's like walking out the door. He's like so uh, schmoozy with like the press, right? He's like, you know, give him like finger guns. He's just. <laughs> yeah, he, he has a son now. Great. <laughs> and so he rushes to the hospital and while he's rushing to the hospital, uh, we cut to the gang who have disguised themselves as like doctors and they just walk into this baby ward and it's not really clear like at the moment you're not really sure like why they're in there like I assume they're just gonna like kidnap right the the chief of <laughs> kid like that makes sense and of course there's like a little moment between uh, another woman comes into the picture and um, again only seen as like a, a sexual object like doesn't do anything and and then they all leave the room and you're like oh well i guess they did something and then <laughs> the chief of police goes in to see his wife and she's like i want to see her baby and he's like oh i, I want to hold this baby i want to see his- <laughs> yeah i talked exactly like that oh, i want to see my son <laughs> my daughter's his penis for some reason i don't know so he goes to take off the diaper and uh disgusting Oh, I didn't want to see that, dude. Like, not necessary. Honestly, not necessary. Like, they could have just like shown his reaction, and you would have got the same thing. I don't know. I mean, the <laughs> whole <laughs> wasn't a boy though. Whatever. 
Anyway, yeah, he's upset. He's like, <laughs> I want him to like throw the baby around, like pick it up, be like, this is my son. I mean, he does like hold the baby in pretty like, oh my God, he's going to do something crazy. And he does it. He gets like a phone call or whatever. And they're like, uh, yeah, we got, we know who, where your son is. Uh, you better uh, do what we say. I think it's basically they're asking to like, uh, um, not have scabs, like brick strikes or something like that. You know, some shit like that. Um, something, you know, for the union and, uh, you know, uh, he agrees to it because of course he wants his beautiful son and, uh, he, uh, he, he, um, he, uh, uh, I think they, I think they're talking about and they're just like, uh, yeah, we mixed up all the tags and stuff. It's like, wait, they're all mixed up. And we're like, yeah, who cares? <laughs> like, which is crazy. That has probably happened a few times in history. Yeah. That's kind of terrifying to think before like probably before like just like i don't know 50 years ago is like yeah like the only way to label your baby was just a, a obviously, right? yeah, obviously now when a baby is born it's like okay footprint handprint right away you know like okay okay but yeah like back then it was just kind of like yeah we kind of put like a shopping tag on it with like a number and yeah <laughs> hope for the best i guess <laughs> leave him alone in this big room where <laughs> the youngster can come in and... <laughs> then you get another disgusting scene where um, they see the woman from the bank in the speakeasy. They're in the speakeasy and they see the woman again. Get another fucking awful scene. <laughs> I'm sorry. Isn't that, a brothel? Isn't that like a brothel that they're in? Are they at a brothel? I think so. Cause like all the women are naked and like. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Yeah, I guess it's the brothel of Peggy's. I guess Peggy's brothel. Yeah, because Eve's also going there because she works there. On right, the right, right. Okay. I thought they were at the speakeasy and they were, she was hanging out there, but never mind. Yeah, you get another disgusting scene uh, where she comes in and she says hi to them and she uh, touches their penis. Like of all the scenes, that scene just like... It goes on for way too long. <laughs> it's just, I guess, is it supposed to be funny? It's it, not funny. It's, it's like, not, it's like... I think it's supposed to be. No, no, no. It's like, it's got that Italian sleaziness to it, which once again, I love. I love Italians and I love how sleazy their movies are. I <laughs> in movies like they should put more nudity in sex in movies but like I, I just like I'm just like confused with like the tone of these movies when it comes to that kind of thing you know what I mean it's supposed to be like this you know incredibly moving and beautiful movie about the American dream and stuff like that and but like all, you know women are treated horribly and um if they are in a scene that's longer than two minutes is them touching like several penises in a row like, I don't know, like, I'm not even, like, necessarily against that idea of doing something like that. Like, I'm not, like, clutching my pearls, you know what I mean? I'm no pearl toucher. I just, like, I, you know, I'm just confused with like, all the tone of the movie and the tone of that. And yeah. it's just not a good scene. I just, I hate it. It's, it just sucks. <laughs> the scene just, like, literally no reason for the scene to exist. Honestly, there's no reason for the character of Eve to exist. It's kind of the scene where though though where she like uh, uh, falls in love with Max, where she wants to be with Max. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what happens in the scene. Like she comes in and they're like, "Who are you guys?" And they're like, they put like things under their eyes, like a mask. They're are like, "Oh yeah, you guys are the robbers." And then she goes around and like looks at their penises to see which one was her, the one who raped her. Yeah, she thought James Woods was the rapist penis um and then he and but then yeah she's like oh i like james woods a lot and uh you know the implication is that they're dating and they are and that's the scene <laughs> oh man 
it's funny it's 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 funny because it's just like what, what's going on <laughs> and then of course shortly after that noodles goes out with what's her face i wish <laughs> remember her name. name we cannot remember the the, the dancer yeah they he takes um, no go no go 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 yeah he takes her to this go giant uh dining hall place space is really fancy restaurant like right next to the ocean and he's basically bought out the entire restaurant and there's like all of these you know maids and butlers all lined up but it's all fancy and he's like la dee da and you know he they sit down and they talk for a minute and she's like oh noodles i've always loved you so much blah 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 but i can never be with you because you would uh something like you'd want to keep me in a box or something you know something something of that effect yeah. right i want to like be an actress and a dancer i want to do all these things but he of wants, course he wants to do things and he's like no that's not what women do should do that <laughs> and she feels that she's going to hollywood which pisses him off because again he doesn't want a woman to have you know things to do that yeah. would be awful right so as punishment for insolence to decide to do any kind of work or anything like that uh, on the car ride, uh, he, uh, I'm smiling, but it's like not a funny thing because it's really, really bad. Uh, of course, like noodles horribly, um, uh, you know, uh, rapes, rapes her like in the car. Um, and it's like a really horrible scene and uh, it's the worst scene in the movie. <laughs> it really is. It's just awful. And it goes on way too long. And like, disgusting. Ugh. Like I was reading, like a, you know, I like to do like the IMDb trivia facts, and I was reading one of the trivia facts, and they're like, oh, and then like the driver slams on the brakes and forces, uh, you know, noodles out. Yeah, yeah. That really happens. Like he just like calmly pulls over, and then gets out of the car. Like, yeah, yeah. He he doesn't like like the obviously like yeah, the driver is like upset that this isn't. But he like, yeah, he like doesn't say that he like pulls over and asks him to leave. And then when Noodles offers him money, he doesn't take it and he drives away in a huff. Like there's no slamming. So brave. Yeah, but it's just like, I, I do like the scene afterwards though. We see her on the train that she's going out the window mm -hmm. and just a blank stare looking at Noodles as she's the train is driving away. She pulls the thing down, like the curtain down and the window. And yeah, and like he's like all upset and stuff. Like, oh, woe was me. Oh, what do you expect? <laughs> most violent, <laughs> most violent thing ever. And you're like, so sad. My girlfriend, I love her. Yeah, I never. I don't. I don't get. I think one of my problems with this film is I don't understand how we're supposed to feel about noodles. Like we can't like him because he's a terrible person. And it's not like, right? It's not like one of those terrible people that like you love anyways. He's just like, he's bad. And he's not like, you know, bad, but like super competent and like, you know, so smart. It, yeah, he sucks. <laughs> he's he sucks. Not he's just a sucky person. Yeah, he's no, um, uh, I forget, he's no Corleone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and which I, like, which, yeah. Yeah. Like in Godfather 2, Godfather 2 is great because like Robert De Niro, you know, he plays Corleone, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
and uh, he's he he he's um, you can see why he's you know so good, right? Like because he's so smart and you know tactile, and he's willing to he is willing to do violent acts, um, but you know like everybody loves him, right? Like you can see why like characters in the movie would really really like him, right? Maybe not like him, but respect him, of course. Right. Um, and this movie though is just like it's about a crazy guy. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And I think part of the problem is, you know, when you talk about these big gangster films and like why people love gangster films, even though gangsters tend to be, you know, awful people, it's because they have motivations. Like you talk about the Godfather, like all those characters, even if their motivations are sort of evil motivations, they have a reason that they do what they do. Noodles never really has any sort of motivations, like through the whole film. He doesn't seem to care too much about money. I guess he kind of likes money. Um, you know, I, I guess his only motivation is that he loves, you know, loves, you know, uh, the, the woman that he brutally assaulted. I guess. I guess he really likes her. That's like the one thing that he like actually like wants. Um, but yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah, his, 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 I'm not getting a lot in terms of desires. You're right. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> and I guess that's kind of the difference, though, between like Noodles and Max is that we haven't talked about Max too much. The thing about Max is that like he's constantly thinking long term while Noodles is constantly thinking short term. So I guess that's kind of like an interesting kind of dichotomy between the characters. And I will say that like Another good thing I like about this movie is that I like their two characters kind of together. You know what I mean? I think they're good kind of like a foils, you might say, to each other. Um, they're good friends. Um, but the way that they like interact with each other and stuff like that, I think is very, very good. And so I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. The next scene is they're all back at like above the bar and like the, or is that above the bar? Is that where that area is? Like their meeting place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like <laughs> in an office. Yeah, they're in like an office and all of the friends are there and Eve is also there and Noodles comes in. And he's like, hey, I'm back. I'm ready to you know, do things. <laughs> and they're like, you've been gone for like weeks. And, and I, I like that kind of reveal that like you don't know that any time has passed. Yeah, you don't really know. And that you kind of experience in the way that Noodles is experiencing it, which is like, you've been high, right? You went to Opium Den for like weeks. <laughs> Yeah, you're high as shit. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. And basically they do like a bros before hoes kind of thing. It's like, you can't women. And he's like, well, Eve's here. And he's like, well, fuck off Eve, I guess. And then Eve just fucks off. Yeah, he like, he like, yeah, like James Wood like yells at her, which I'm sure James Wood actually also did in real life to that woman probably when the cameras weren't rolling. He probably yelled at her and screamed at her. <laughs> um James Woods probably did do that. <laughs> um, this is about James Woods. Noodles is based off the life of James Wood. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they have like a little spat and a little argument. And then Jim, Jim O'Donnell, he gets shot. He gets, he gets, uh, he gets shot a bunch of the legs. He almost dies and they're in the hospital. And I think they have to amputate one of his legs, right? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> and they're in the hospital and you know they're uh i think like after the shooting i think they're pretty much like um yeah no like i think they're pretty much like yeah the strikes are over like i think like that that area of business is over 
And I think the guy, one of the guys that's one of the labor guys is like, hey, you know, I got a new business coming up. Uh, Prohibition's almost over. I think there's something talking about like cars or something like that. You should get in on it. And like noodles freaks out, right? Yeah. <laughs> he gets all mad, right? Yeah, he's like, I'm not exactly sure why he doesn't want to get into it. He just seems, I guess he's comfortable with what he likes and he doesn't like new things. And so he gets like all pissed off and he leaves. And then yeah. I'm going to get a charger. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, laptop. Yeah. He's mad. So Nils is mad. He leaves. Uh, Max goes after him and he's like, you know what? I'll listen to you because, again. Why? Why? <laughs> he's never had any good ideas. He's literally never offered anything to anyone. Like, he's not, he's not good at being a gangster. His only talent is, like, being around. Like, as a kid, I think that's part of the reason I like the kid part. He's a pretty talented, like, petty theft like gangster and I like that kind of build up like he's a he's a thinker right he's pretty smart as a kid he comes up with that whole salt thing like he's smart but then like as an adult doesn't do anything like you know I, I guess they might have thought of like the baby thing yeah that was smart I guess uh what else I mean they run the speakeasy I guess yeah but that speakeasy was open before yeah know, true so was the brothel yeah, that's true as well. Well, anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah, they're, they're, he's like, I'll listen to you. And uh, they go to the beach. And uh, James Wood basically tells Noodles, Max tells Noodles, like, hey, we need to rob the Federal Reserve Bank. <laughs> and he's like, you're crazy. Yeah, there's, there's like this thing. That it's like whenever so yeah whenever like noodles calls uh, max like crazy he freaks out like he like he's like don't call me that da, 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 da. and like he has like a like a freak out yeah which they don't really establish really in the movie this is like no. a new thing yeah it only happens like in the last hour of the movie which is weird because like you have a four-hour movie it kind of reminds me of the back to the future thing yes exactly the chicken thing it kind of reminds me of the back to the future thing when marty gets called like when Miss Marty gets, which that is done way better, right? Because it's like, it's across three movies. And in the third movie, it kind of pays off a little bit because Marty kind of looks beyond that. And he's like, you know what? No. Anyway, but in this movie, it's like, it only, it's only like last hour. Yeah. I mean, in the Back to Future movie, it isn't in the first one, but it is in the second one. I don't oh, know. You're right. It isn't in the first I know, one. No, it pissed me off. The chicken thing pissed me off. It's not in the first one. We watched them back to back. It's not in the first one. It's still, it still reminded it's still me. It's still better. Yeah, I don't get that. Like, you have four hours. Like, fucking write one scene. Like, it's like two lines, right? Just give it to the kid. You're crazy. Why yeah. are you doing that? Don't ever call me crazy. Like, when they're little kids. It feels like so shoehorned. Like, I don't even understand why it's shoehorned in. Because it doesn't really add anything to the plot. I guess, except like, I mean, I guess it kind of like, you know what? I bet you what happened. Is like they're trying to figure out, hey, because this is like almost the next thing that happens. Basically, prohibition's ending. They're going to do one final job. Noodles 
uh, is basically like going to, he's going to get them arrested because, you know, the Federal Reserve, crazy. And they're like, we yeah. can't do this. Yeah. Get arrested. Right? Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, Noodles is like, he wants to get them arrested for this other thing that they're going to do. So he doesn't do the Federal Reserve Bank heist because he will die if he does it. <laughs> so I think what happened is the writers are saying in the room and they're like, we can't have Noodles there. Like for some reason, he can't be at the thing. So like someone, so something has to hold him back. And they're like, what we do is we just have Max beat him. And they're like, well, why the fuck would Max beat the shit out of uh, Noodles? And they're like, oh, uh, I don't know. Like they call him crazy. And then they just, right? That's what it feels like. Like it feels like they just needed something for that moment. And so they just kind of like plugged it in like one other place. It's not even like tastefully plugged in. You have four hours, just put it in the beginning. Like put it as a kid. And then do it again, like, right, as he gets out of jail, he'd be like, oh, you're crazy. And him being like, ah. And then just do it a couple more times. Like, why? It's so dumb. It's so dumb. I like when he freaks out. I like when James would freaks out when he gets called crazy. He loses his mind. <laughs> Don't ever call me crazy. <laughs> but then it cuts to the flash forward. And they're at the Bailey Foundation retirement home. And the women that... Uh, that uh, James, that Max was seeing, she's at the funeral home. And for some reason, there's a big picture, right, in the funeral home, um, like a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think including, uh, who's in the picture? It's like a picture of a bunch of people. It's reminding me of The Shining. He's in the picture. <laughs> but it was just like, he's just like looking at the picture and he says something and I forget what he said. Well, isn't uh, he says something about um, about Max. Oh, I guess Max is in the picture. Is it, well, is Max in the picture or is his dad in the picture? That's where they get the line. I don't remember. I don't know. What Someone's in the picture, and basically she says right that Max's dad was like in a insane asylum or something like that. Yeah, I think. Just again, so excellent. But yeah, Noodles, uh, he once again, so Noodles decides to uh, visit his rape victim. Because uh, 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 actually, yeah, she's in the picture, right? He sees her in the picture. She, He sees her in the picture. Yeah. He's like, oh, I guess I better visit my rape victim. And she, he visits her and um, uh, she hasn't aged, which they comment on. Yeah. I like to think that like, it's kind of weird, but I would, like I said before at the beginning, I'd like to think that these are the, but it doesn't really work because it's the 60s. It's what? like present time. I'd like to think that, you know, like the, in the memories and the dreams and stuff, Robert De Niro is like, um, well, then again, I forgot about the ending of the movie. You know, I like to think that most of the movie, it's like a, the memories and dreams of, like I said, an ailing, desperate, you know, clawing man who has like tons of regrets and tons of, you know, worries and all and is paranoid about everything, everyone. And I like to think that you were seeing them. That's how we're seeing the movie, which I think is very strong. So when you see her, it's like she still looks like very young, at least like a little young, like she has some wrinkles on her, I guess. Not nearly as much as like everyone else. Like Robert yeah. De Niro looks like he's 80 and she looks like she's like 42. How old is Robert De Niro in this movie? Is he like 40 or 30? No, he's not, I don't know if he's 30. In the 70s, he's probably like in his 20s or 30s. So he's probably in his 40s in this movie. Yeah. I think. I think so. And that, that, might, that might even be a stretch. Maybe he's just in his 30s. I feel like it's really easy to make him look old. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Wait, but they, they had a, they, they, uh, they did a good job, but yeah, they, they have a stupid conversation about something where they talk about Austin. Uh, well, I remember how the conversation ends. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I remember at the beginning, he's like, you know, say something, um, you know, you hate me, you love me, blah, blah, blah. And she's, she doesn't, you know, I, I feel like what I'm about to say is right, but that feel, but that also feels wrong. Does, is she like still in love with him? Like a little bit? I think so, yeah. That's what I thought. So stupid, <laughs> whatever. And he's like, you know, I wanna know why I'm here. And she's like, oh, how would I know? It's like, you, you obviously know. And she's like, look, don't go out the door because someone knocks at the door. And he's like, who could be at the door? It's like, don't go out the door. Everything will be ruined, blah, 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 blah. And goes out the door anyways. And out the door is uh, Senator Bailey's son, who looks exactly like, or is the same actor from the beginning of the movie that played uh, young Max. Whoa. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think the plot is the plot of that is stupid, but I think the reveal is cool. Because like guess, I guess the reveal is neat. Yeah. Right? It's like, like sitting on a throne just like Max was earlier in the film. And like they don't really say anything like for a moment. And it just like pushes in. And it's just like it's a nice reveal. I mean, like the plot part is stupid, but it's a cool reveal. Yeah. And yeah, that basically gives him the indication that like, oh, okay, Max is still alive, pretty much. Okay. Uh, and he goes to a happening party at the go at the at Bailey's place. Yeah. Um, and he's there, and he's and it's and it's happening. It's a nice night. Uh, and he um, talks to Bailey, who is of course Max. Yeah. Um, but throughout the whole conversation, Noodles refers to him as uh, ba Bailey, Mr. Bailey, mm -hmm. um, because I think he I think even he says like you know Max is dead to me. You know what I mean? Like that person is is gone. Uh, while Bailey is, you know, still a person that is, yeah, you know, Max is gone. He's dead. So Bailey is, you know, the new form or whatever. Uh, and yeah, he, Bailey is like, look, I'm in trouble. I'm going to get in, in a lot. I'm going to prison. I need you to shoot and kill me. I need you to get my, a gun and shoot me in the head. That's why I, I left that money for you, because that's like basically your payment to kill me. Uh, because I am, <clears throat> yeah, because I, uh, I, um, I'm a crook, and he's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> it doesn't seem like a good deal. For who? For, um, for noodles. It's like a million bucks. Just shoot him in the head. But if he kills someone and he's found out, he's go he goes to jail forever. Yeah, but like, it's Max's gun. He goes out the secret way. No one's heard about him right. in 40 years. But he I guess that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he doesn't do it, so. Yeah, yeah, he just kind of leaves. Um, I'm trying to think what else they talked about, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Noodles leaves, and, um, you know, you get this pretty interesting scene where um, he sees a garbage truck. Yeah. And uh, it's, 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 it's driving by. He's, he's, he's walking down the street, and he looks down at the entrance that he was at. The garbage truck is coming down. You see someone who looks like Bailey leave. And it looks like he almost jumps on top of the garbage truck almost yeah. or like kind of like goes behind it <clears throat> and it drives past noodles and he looks in the back and the it's like a it's a 
the, the garbage truck is like whirring, you know what I mean? It's kind of like spinning and kind of crunching up everything inside of it. Um, and it drives away and you don't see Bailey anymore. He's, he's gone. Um, yeah, and I guess, you know, you don't really know if what really happened to Bailey, of course, it's completely ambiguous. Um, was it even Bailey? You don't really know. And it doesn't really matter. Um, did he jump into the garbage truck? Uh, Seems I, like it. If you jumped into a garbage truck, I think you would scream. You know, you would like make a noise, right? Like, like if you were crushed like that, you would probably be saying like, ow. <laughs> you think they should add a scream in? Well, that's the thing. It's like, did he do it? I mean, I don't know. Like, it, you know, if they put it in the screen, obviously, then yeah, he would do it. But you want to keep it ambiguous, I guess. Right. So. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, and yeah, Noodles is like, huh, that's weird. And then, and then, uh, and then I think you get the final scene, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and right before that final scene, I like the moment where, I guess this is sort of part of the final scene. The truck leaves. Oh, yeah. And then these cars come by. And I, this is like one of the scenes that I understand the least of the film. Because then like a bunch of cars come by, but they're like not cars from the 60s. They're like cars from like the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like drive by and there's like a bunch of people in them and they're like drunk and having fun. And it's it's this very um, surreal moment where like the past and the present are kind of like, which I think it, the film does a lot where like the past and the present kind of intertwine. And it's, I think that's part of the reason why it's in like the, um, the plot runs the way it does where like there's constant flashbacks moving forward in time is because like time in the movie seems to all be happening simultaneously. Like I don't think, there's a certain sense of like predestination in the film. Yeah. Right. Like everything that's going to happen is going to happen, which I think makes this a sort of, I think it could be with a couple of changes, a tragedy because like the idea is that noodles never had a chance. Like from the moment he was born, the day he died, he was always going to do this. This is always going to happen. Max was always going to end up this way. And that's just kind of how it goes. And I think there are certainly moments of that. And I think this is one of those moments where like the past and the present kind of, Blend mm-hmm. each other. Of course, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I like that stuff. That stuff's cool. Yeah. It, it cool. And then, like, yeah, like it, it cuts, and Robert De Niro is young again, and he's going to the opium den to smoke some opium. He gets a nice hit of opium, and he stares right at the screen, and he grins, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, apparently, when you smoke opium you do get, it It does create very, very vivid dreams. So, like, you could almost, I guess you could almost say that, like, the, all the stuff in the 60s was stuff, you know, from his opium dream, almost. Oh, so you're suggesting that he's just imagining this future. It's kind of like, have you seen The Green Knight? Not yet, no. Well, there's something similar to that in the end. I won't, I won't say what, but I think it's, it's done better in Green Knight. But it is a kind of interesting idea is that all of this is sort of, like he never leaves the opium den, right? He dies there in that opium, like he gets high and then he just like, yeah. like that's it and that's it. But he like dreams this whole world and you know, this whole world that he dreams really doesn't end much better than if uh, he dies in that opium den. Honestly, the world's probably a better place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure, for sure, yeah. He like he doesn't leave the opium den, and yeah. All right, 
uh, final thoughts, Austin? So I'm pretty conflicted about this film. There are things about this that I just absolutely adore. I think some of the visuals are just some of the best in cinema, as Sergio Leone has done time and time again. I know you're not a huge fan of the score, but it's one of my favorite scores of all time. It is just, I just love it. I love every minute of it. I could just listen to the score on repeat for the rest of my life, and I'd be okay with that. The plot is, um, it can be all over the place, which perhaps maybe that's because it was cut down from the six-hour original. Uh, supposedly in the six-hour original, there's a lot more time with Eve. I think that would maybe, like, they might have actually had a character that, or female character, I should say, that does something. It's pretty bothersome that all the female characters, their only role is either to have sex with people or to not have sex with people. And then if they don't have sex with people, they just end up getting raped anyways. So what's the point, I guess, of any of these characters? And it's just kind of gross and off-putting. I don't know. I think, I think I'm going to give the film an 8 out of 10. I think from a technical standpoint, masterful. Like the editing is just, it's near perfect. Some of the visuals are near perfect. I think there's a lot of incredible things about it. But there's just some serious problems with the plot and the way it treats certain characters that I just can't get over, which is frustrating because Sergio Leone has long been one of my favorite directors. And this was his swan song. This was his final film. But I think like most final films of any director, it just doesn't live up to the standards of their earlier work for one reason or another. And I think, and honestly, you know, if you think about all of Sergio Leone's films, he doesn't really have female characters in his films. Like uh, Once Upon a Time in the West kind of does. Um, but again, she doesn't really have much to do. So I think Sergio Leone is at his best when it's just male characters. I mean, you think of the good and bad, the ugly. Yeah. Might be one of the greatest films of all time. There's a, I don't think there's a single female character. It's just all guys, right? But pretty much. Yeah, I think that's where he's at his best, which, you know, certainly has its downfalls. But I, I think just being constrained to small spaces, which Sergio Leone, I don't think works well in. I don't think he works well on sets. I think he works much better in wide, you know, broad ranges. <laughs> but you know, I enjoyed the experience. I'm glad I watched it, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I, I was pretty disappointed with the experience. Um, you know, I think technically the movie does look great, and I, I think it has a lot going for it on that end. But, you know, I, I just don't think, like, considering the movie is so long, I feel like we really don't know these characters at all. Like, I just feel like we don't really like know what is actually going on. You know, when you I hate to make the comparisons, but when you compare a movie like The Godfather or Godfather Part Two to this, you know so much about those characters. You they feel so real, and you feel and you feel like you really really know them. While in this movie, I just feel like I don't know anyone at all. Like, I just feel like everybody is like. Um, yeah, it's just so weird too, though, because it's like the movie is so long and, but I feel like nothing really happens in terms of like any kind of strong characterization or characters that really like, um, like jump out to me or really connect with me. Mm -hmm. I like music. I just think it's overused. I just think that like playing it incessantly, like I love music and movies, but it's like, I don't know, like it's just used way too, way too much. And <laughs> Yeah, and you know, with this, all the you know the the sex stuff aside, you know, I've said my point about that. Like I said, I just didn't 
really like find myself really like connecting incredibly with the movie you know i love his westerns they're amazing but like i don't know this movie just did not uh really like hit me in a really like meaningful way where i'm like oh yeah i'm definitely gonna watch that again sometime soon i don't think i'm gonna watch this again uh you know anytime soon i mean it's good you know i will say that like for the most part it's more good than bad um it is you know for the most part a very enjoyable movie and it you know it has like really good moments really great 20 30 minutes uh, opening yeah i just wasn't um, super crazy about it i'll probably i think i'll give it a six all right y'all thank you for listening i'm austin lugo you can find me at austin lugo one two you can find me on twitter at 80 harp 24 this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts you can also find us on youtube and instagram at with nothing to say podcast and thank you all for listening thanks so much <laughs> <laughs>